How'd you find it? Just like and recommend it on the other You have to stay now, you are trapped. <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, for all the visual viewers at home, um, y'all can see that the microphone's a little bit different. It's kind of like a magical orb wand. May or may not have accidentally broken the mic stand. Um, because I'm a clumsy person and that's just kind of like what happens and where I'm at. Um, so how are you guys? How are you? What's new? Um, we are in fall in Los Angeles. I mean, technically on the calendar it is, but I mean, there's some things I'm, I'm from the East Coast, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Boston. And so there's definitely, there's some things I miss, but you know, I'm living in Los Angeles. Clearly I like it a lot more. Um, but the thing that I do miss a lot is fall and just the changing of the seasons before it gets too bleak and terrible um just you know the leaves changing and the apple picking and the apple cider it's just not the same when it's like 80 something degrees out right now um have to turn off the ac for filming purposes so i'm uh, try my best not to sweat too much um but that's okay you don't need to know about that so what's up what's up um this is like episode 14 i think which is crazy because on the in the grand scheme of things you know 14 episodes that's not that much when you think about I mean, the amount of books that I read to get there, the amount of time and effort that goes into each episode, um, which can range from like an hour to a few hours to more to the um, support that I've garnered so far from this small but mighty um, group I have that I know actually listens and records and downloads. Um, If you are listening to this now and you have not reviewed on Apple Podcasts, I am sorry for the shameless plug. Um, If you could just take literally two minutes head on over to apple Podcasts if you're listening there already great if you are listening on spotify or youtube definitely helps if you subscribe like all that jazz but i think apple Podcasts is really you know the the grand poobah of podcasts um, so if you can just you know head on over there give it a little a uh, five star tap um you can rate it and review it please you know nice slash positive things only if you want to be mean you can send me a dm and send me all your complaints but i prefer for that not to be rated um and if like i said i think there's like seven reviews now which isn't a ton um but every little thing helps i know it's stupid and shameless and pluggy but it, it does um just a little podcast over here and i know that it, i hope at least more than seven people listen to it so if you again if you are listening to this now and you take seconds um also if you want um to send me a picture of that review um you can either dm it to me you can email it to me if you know me you know you can just text it to me whatever um send me a screenshot of that review either when you're writing it or when it gets posted um and i'll hook you up with a little something special you know maybe it'll be some special recommendations you know maybe if you live locally in los angeles you could win a book that I've read recently, an actual physical book. Um, so send me those reviews. We'll see what happens. We could make it into like a real giveaway. I don't think I have enough viewers for that. Look at how like podcasting I'm sounding right now. Like you came here for books, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, I am part of the game, part of the algorithm. So every little tap, every little thing helps. And if I can incentivize you by maybe giving you 
either a physical book or some, you know, extra special recommendations if you don't live locally. Uh, maybe some other fun swag that I got lying around. Um, you know, let me know. Um, so it's hot, like I said. Um, so it's always hard to kind of think about what I want to talk about. Obviously, I have the books in advance. Um, here's a little more behind the scenes. And then sometimes I'll come into it um, with a topic in mind, sort of like the behind the scenes of how it works is I got my notebook. Um, I do rate each book on Goodreads and that's kind of how I keep track of it, especially for what I'm going to put on the podcast. Sometimes I will write them down as I'm reading it being like, oh, this book is amazing. Like I know I have to talk about it. Um, and then sometimes it'll be the day before I'm about to record or the day I'm going to record and I'll kind of just look through that Goodreads and I'll be like, okay, you know, what books did I rate? Four or five stars? Usually not five stars. Four three star or high three can slide in there um what books did I rate highly this week and what I want to talk about and um if you've been listening for a while you know that names details little things not my forte so it's been super helpful just to have those books and pull them up and then ready to reference them on this handy dandy researching machine um and then like sometimes I if there's been a particular piece of media like a film or a tv show or a book that I a book I mean we're talking about books um something other than a book that I feel needs to fit in sometimes there's like a theme so if it goes with that I know especially at the beginning I was like trying to do that um sometimes we go into like more ranty diatribes about like society in general and how they are with reading um I try to keep it media focused it's not always totally book focused I mean sometimes we have a random body positivity chat um but I'd love to know kind of like what else you guys want to hear beyond the recommendations like do you enjoy sort of this random rambling sort of like I'm gonna go with what it is occasionally like I said like I will I think I wrote the topic of like missing academia or nostalgic movies that I'm gonna talk about today and like those are both topics of gravitas and things that I can use on but like not really in the mood today I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you this behind the scenes tea this is like a real raw every episode is raw I mean there's freaking no script it's just all coming out of this mind but like really just like I'd love to tailor this sort of to be what you guys want so if you like you love these random chats that's fine um if you'd like to me to kind of give more of like a history sort of lesson you know do a little bit of research on an author present some sort of you know fun little tidbits about reading or like what's new in literature news like what's coming up like what's on my to read list like what am I looking forward to I don't talk about that very often I can also um a lot of I have featured some of my favorite authors on this podcast because I've read some of their books as they've come out but there's plenty of authors that I adore and love who I just haven't read in the span of reviewing for this podcast but I could totally go into sort of like a my favorite authors I mean I could go into also sort of like the best books I've read this year before the podcast we can go about best books of last year we can go like the worst books like the books we could we could do that we could do a book an episode of disappointing books that might be fun um also look out for uh, I'm not sure exactly when this will be posted but there is going to be a very exciting author interview that I am doing soon um if that's already up it'll be linked below if not you have something fun to look forward to all I can say for spoilers is number one it's not a professor I do love my professors dearly and both of those interviews were very special and meaningful and tinged with nostalgia for me um and they are legitimate authors but they're not sort of the contemporary literary authors that we think of so the other spoiler alert is it is an author whose book um I have previously focused or talked about on this podcast and I am super excited to have them maybe it's a guy maybe it's a woman I don't know um to have them on and to talk about 
their book and everything that goes along with that and them as a writer and them as a reader. Um, so stay tuned for that and or check it out if it's already there. Um, so that's enough of the ramblings of the ramblings and let's get into this week's books. Okay, so first we have The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. Um, so a couple of books actually that I've chosen, actually now that I'm thinking about it, three yeah, three of the five books that I've chosen today just happen to take place in Los Angeles. Um, maybe it's something that I'm just more cognizant of now that I live here. I mean, I certainly consumed a lot of books that were set in Los Angeles prior to moving here. It's one of the nation's largest and by most vivacious cities, so why not? Um, especially, you know, entertainment-based books and sort of the Hollywood glitz and glam. Um, and this is a story that shines a light on... Um, Korean women and the immigrant experience and moving to Los Angeles in the 1980s. Um, the young woman, Mina Lee, her last story, um, she passes away at the beginning of the book. Um, she is actually, she's a mother, so her daughter is in her mid-20s um, and comes to find her that she's passed away. That's not a spoiler. Um, and then it just really flips back and forth so wonderfully with Mina Lee's story and her immigration, you know, coming from Korea to America, moving right to Koreatown, which is right near where I live, um, and adjusting to life and this whole sort of little Korean subculture that existed. I mean, it exists now, but especially in a time when prejudice, I mean, is rampant still, but was extremely rampant um, to create her own little culture. Um, and then we learn throughout her mother's story sort of the evolution or de-evolution of her relationship with her daughter Margot. Um, so it flip-flops between Mina um, in the 80s and sort of up to the present day. And then with Margot, we get her perspective of her mother, which is, of course, much different than her mother's perspective. Um, and they're just, they're written really well. Of course they are. Um, Koreatown really comes alive in this, um, in both the 80s and present day. Um, it's a very prominent popular area of Los Angeles, but it's not the most objectively glamorous. So, you know, it doesn't tend to be featured as prominently as areas like Hollywood or Beverly Hills or all that. Um, part of it is a mystery. I mean, there is sort of like the underlying, did her mother die by accident? Was her mother murdered? That's kind of the catalyst that sends Margot looking into her past. Um, so it's not just super gratuitous that Mina's story is like, oh, well, here it is. It's like Mina finding herself and finding herself in order to give her daughter a proper self and then how her daughter has sort of rejected that and coming to terms with making peace with that now that her mother has passed and having her story live on and the last story is kind of her diary um but also the investigate there's a little bit of that sort of you know mystery aspect of mina going on this quest but it ends up really being much more a quest for herself and her story um of course her mother's story does play into that um but i don't think this i think this might be the author's first novel i'm saying this and i'm clicking yeah so it is her first novel it's definitely it came out of march no it didn't come out of march she's been on goodreads since march this came out pretty recently in like the last month or so um but if you're into multi-generational stuff if you're into cultural explorations if you're into mother-daughter relationships with a little hint of mystery but also a lot of you know self-mystery and exploration um, if you want a novel set in Los Angeles that doesn't exactly follow the beaten path of Los Angeles, um, gives you more of a real raw Los Angeles, 
and then check this one out. Next, we have The Word Pretty by Elisa Gabbard. Um, so I've already featured one of Elisa's books, The Unreality of Memory, on a previous episode. Um, and this book came out before then. Um, I just happened to have holds on in the library, 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 <laughs> library, library roulette. That's when it came out. Um, this is a slimmer volume of essays. Um, and they, so the unreality of, unreal, unreality of memory. Um, excuse me, really deals, um, as I spoke about in my review earlier, with the concepts of memory and trauma and um, sort of more larger societal issues. And the word pretty, I mean, it deals with the societal and cultural issues, but in a much more introspective way. I mean, there's a wonderful essay in it that deals all about the form of writing. There's a lot of meta thinking going on in this not that that's not present in her other works you can definitely see the comparisons um these feel a little more raw a little more microcosmy and less macrocosmy but still dealing with the same types of issues um she you know delves into twitter she delves into the male gaze you know much larger stuff she delves into you know parentheticals in writing one of the essays the word pretty is sort of what does the word pretty mean um in society it's just a lot of introspective work that affects everybody it gives thought and nuance to a lot of things that are definitely relatable um but also haven't really been spoken or, you know, done too much. I mean, the personal essay, I don't, it's never overdone. It just, you know, needs to go in new, fresh directions and take different points of view and lenses. And that's exactly what this does. Uh, it's also under 200 pages. It's like 184 pages. Each essay is contained in itself. There's no, like, real thread running through but they also you can totally like pick it up read one put it away for a few days read another one or you can consume it all in one night or one or two days because the essays are connected by this larger thread of her great writing and thinking that you can tell is obvious throughout all of them so you might you know you might just say oh i'm just gonna read one but it's so short yet she says so much and such a short amount of pages that you're like, okay, I can just read one more. And then before you know it, you finish the other ones. Um, so definitely check out The Unreality of Memory, um, but also check out The Word Pretty um, by Elisa Gabbert. Um, and I think she has a couple of other works. So I'm definitely, she's, she's one to watch. She's becoming a, she's becoming a favorite of mine for sure. Um, and next we have Vagabond by Anna Dorn. So Vagabond is another Los Angeles novel, but it's very much the opposite of The Last Story of Mina Lee. It is definitely a more, stereotypical sort of portrayal of someone on a rise to fame and you know going glowing up in the Hollywood scene and the the rise and fall of um going through the Los Angeles entertainment scene particularly the music scene um we follow the artist Prue um she's a lawyer who's in a new relationship but she's kind of just like misanthropic and all over the place um through some random connections she becomes a musician and sort of abandons her entire um life so there's definitely like a level of surreality to it like on the one hand everything that happens in this novel is completely realistic like you could see it happening but with the heightened level of course is like um i heard an author say the other week that like you know no one wants to read real life, like the actual reality of the day to day. Like no one wants to read a novel about me sitting here recording a podcast, going to the grocery store, watching some TV. Like they want to read about the stuff that 
is a little more heightened and that's you know exactly what fiction is is you can take the liberty to do that um sometimes we go crazy in the opposite end of the spectrum and we have fantasy but sometimes we have something like vagabond which is just like a little pastiche a little satirical but also just sort of a a look into the music industry um with a not exactly likable character but also definitely not terrible and you know you can see she sort of becomes a victim of the larger machine um it's sort of you know deals with the issues of wanting and fulfillment and you know can you have it all and what is a dream and where can it take us um this is her first novel, Anna Dorn, and then I think she has a memoir coming out next year. Um, this was definitely a lighter one. It's a little over 300 pages, but it read pretty quickly. Um, and so if you're into more of a, like, Los Angeles behind-the-scenes music scene, I mean, it's not something that's not been done before, but it is certainly unique enough that it's made it onto the podcast and set apart from plenty of other, excuse me, um, Hollywood sort of fantasy coming-of-age tales. So that is that. Next, we have You Must Not Miss by Katrina Leno. Um, I don't talk about a ton of young adult novels on this. Um, just because, you know, with my sort of limited time, sometimes young adults, I mean, it's some, I don't think you could put really an age limit on it. I mean, I was reading young adult novels when I was as young as like nine or 10. Um, yikes. Um, but I'm still reading them now at age 26. Um, there is a new book subscription service, not new but new to me called Owl Crate, not sponsored by them, but they, um, I bought a couple of the past boxes on eBay and I'm on the waiting list for a subscription and Owl Crate, if you somehow see this, would love to be sponsored. Um, but their shtick is every month that they send you a box with a signed exclusive edition of a young adult novel and then some fun little trinkets and goodies that go with that, but like very high quality, like stuff you would actually use, not just like random stuff you're going to put in a corner. Um, so I'm very impressed with the quality of their items. Maybe we'll do an unboxing on this channel at some point. Who knows? Um, so Katrina Leno, her book, she has a new book called Horrid, which was the book in the September Owl Crate, which I purchased on eBay, which had a bunch of fun, spooky items, including a blanket that has the entirety of the Raven poem by Edgar Allan Poe. So like worth it for that alone. Um, but I wanted to read her other book that's out before I delve into Horrid, which I haven't read at the time of recording. Um, and so that's You Must Not Miss. Um... Magpie Lewis is the main character, and I really liked this book because it definitely subverted a bunch of young adult novels. You can tell that it's written for young adults. You can tell, I mean, the characters are young adults and they go through young adult typical things, you know, prom, high school. I think that's sort of what make. well, you can have plenty of high school settings that are much more adult, um, but this is something that as a adult I enjoyed, but I could enjoy it at 16. I mean, I think you could enjoy it at 40. Magpie, um, this book doesn't really go where you think it's going to go. I mean, it's been sort of touted as um, compared to Stephen King and Carrie, which gives you the inclination that things are going to get a little darker. It got, being a young adult novel, I was pleasantly surprised with how dark it did go, with how it subverted my expectations. No spoilers. Um, Magpie <clears throat> is a very complex character. I mean, I think young adults often gets um, thrown to the... They, they get shit on, but they have plenty of developed nuanced characters just like in, you know, adult fiction. Um, but Magpie was particularly well thought out in her relationships, in her story. Um, the element of the far world and the magic and the fantasy realm 
didn't distract at all, which I find can be something I personally get frustrated with in young adult novels, where, like, the fantasy and the world building, like, overtakes the actual story and the characters, which are what I want to care about. Um, but sometimes if that story, if, if that, you if it uses this sort of metaphorical or mystical setting, like, as in this novel, um, for part of it, 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 you know, helps make things a little bit clearer, and it does help it subvert expectations in a way that if this had just been more of a ah, real young adult novel would have happened. Um, so if you want something that's, like, I don't want to say easier to read, but we do, I have to be honest, you know, young adult novels are often not as filled with you know, SAT vocab words and super dense and 900 pages war and peace. Like this is just an objectively easier book to read. So if you feel daunted by some other novels that I've talked about, like this is one that's just a little, it's not lighter, deals with some darker, there's definitely, you know, trigger warnings like abuse and teen, you know, teenage angst, but there's death and there's grief and larger concepts. Um, but check that one out. I, I'm excited to read Horrid, and I'm excited to see what comes next for this author. We love a spooky, gothic, uh, female empowerment type novel. And lastly, we have And Now She's Gone by Rachel Housel Hall, another Los Angeles-based novel. Um, this one is definitely more in that traditional mystery thriller novel. Um, again, what sets this apart is it's set really near my neighborhood in Los Angeles, um, which always makes it super cool for me when I literally can identify the streets. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I passed that last week and I know this place and all that. So I'm automatically a little bit biased in that sense. Um, this is also her name's Rachel. So a little bit biased in that sense, too. Um, our main detective, Grayson Sykes, um, she is a complicated character in herself. Um, she is a detective that we're sort of thrown in as if we think we know everything about her, but throughout the novel, her own story is nicely sort of unspooled um, to show why she's so invested. Um, she's actually a PI. She's not an official detective. Um, why she's so invested in the case of a missing woman, Isabel Lincoln. Um, it's just a really well thought out thriller with twists that I didn't see coming. Um, it reads pretty easily. I mean, for a slightly darker subject. Once again, it's always great to see women being the ones taking action and sort of, you know, not another, oh, a straight cis white male detective saving the day. Um, it deals a lot with sort of violence and abandonment as these sorts of mystery thrillers are wont to do, um, but it uses that mystery to get into the lives of Grayson and some other women in her life. Um, and it's just... It helped distract me. It's something that was going on in my... It could have easily happened in my own neighborhood. Murder, I don't... Murder is not a distraction, but sometimes when the world itself in real life is filled with injustice and terrible, at least to read a fictional novel, you're like, well, it's not that bad, and sometimes it's worse. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, I gotta turn the air conditioner back on. That's the main reason I want to end this. But um, I hope that you enjoyed whatever this was today. Um, I'll be back next week. And until then, stay reading.